0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. All right, I believe that's it. Let's go now to John chapter 1, looking really forward to uh, this series that we're kicking off this morning. But here is God's Word to us. In the beginning was the Word— And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. It's the very Word of God. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, more of you and less of us, would you come so into focus throughout the next few minutes that our lives are radically turned upside down on their heads, radically changed. Lord Jesus, you are the word. (laughs) You are the essence of everything. There is nothing more important to you. There's no understanding outside of you. There's no purpose outside of you. There's no significance outside of you. There's no hope outside of you. There's no direction outside of you. There's no light outside of you. There's no life outside of you. So, Lord Jesus, may you be known in this place this morning. Holy Spirit work against the evil one who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, who wants to confuse, bring skepticism and doubt. Holy Spirit, bring clarity, understanding, acceptance, and faith. For the glory of your Son, I pray, and in His name, amen. We're starting this new series on the Gospel of John. Why are we going to the Gospel of John? This is the reason. Because what the church needs most is Jesus, and what it seems the church has less <laughs> or least is Jesus. It seems that we are seeking to do Christianity without Christ. And so, we've come to the Gospel of John because in, in our culture there's so many things vying for our attention, vying for our time, that basically we are branches that are giving a nod to the vine, but we're not tapping into the vine. We, we are branches that, that are, are, are trying to tap into maybe Jesus and a bunch of other vines that are really just branches and we're being let down, and all the while saying Christianity doesn't work. We, we are—God's people do not really believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, I feel it in my life. That's my struggle. That is the struggle of the Christian life, to believe that Jesus is everything. Why? Because we don't. <laughs> he is among the list. He, he, he fits into the charcuterie board of, of, of meaning and significance that we put together. A little counseling, a little exercise, a little diet, a little, uh, a little of this person on Instagram, a little of that person on Facebook, uh, th- this book, this understanding, this hobby, this travel, this new thing, this, that thing. But he is one among the many. He is one tap on the bar. <laughs> he, he is one old faithful restaurant, but among many restaurants that we go to. He is a flight among many. He is one of our top apps, prioritized, but certainly not the only one we tap into. He has made it into our favorites list. Lucky him. (laughs) He, He has made it into our continuing watching on our Netflix account. But he's not everything. We really don't believe that He is the resurrection and the life. We really don't functionally practice that He is the bread of life. We don't actually take into account that that He is the good shepherd, the one who leads us, and the only one who leads us into life and health and flourishing. We don't really believe that He is the the Word, that He is the one that we should listen to, He is the one that we should make time for, He is the one that should be our schedule. But what if, what if we actually began to believe that Jesus was everything, that Jesus really was the way, the truth, and the life? What if His presence is what we longed for, lusted for, coveted after? What if Jesus was, had all of our desires and longings, our goals, our wants, our dreams? What if His post, what if His truth, what if we believe that He really was the wisest man that has ever walked the face of this earth, and every word that dripped from His tongue was life? Wouldn't we get up in the morning to meet Him? Wouldn't we long to listen to Him? Wouldn't we put away all other voices and listen to Him as as truth? Even in the midst of our our non-understanding, even in the midst of our confusion, wouldn't we still press hard into Him? Why? Because we would believe that that is where life is found, and that is the only place that life is found. What if, what if we began to believe that Jesus was everything? Friends, this is John's contention. He he states it in, in John chapter 20, verse 31. He says, this is why I'm giving you these accounts, so that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, you might have life. You see, Jesus became more than just John's brother. Jesus became more than just John's friend. Jesus became John's Savior, Lord, Master, and King. He became His bread of life. He became His resurrection. He became His Word. He became His truth, and thus John begins by stating this. It's the most astounding thing. It echoes Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God, in the beginning the Word. You say, wait a minute, haven't I read that somewhere before? No, you haven't. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and there was nothing that was made, that, that, nothing that was created that was not made by Him. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then, oh, my favorite part— The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Dear friends, is Jesus your everything? No, he's not. He's not my everything. But this is the goal, and this is the contention. This is the only way that life works and the only way that Christianity works, when Jesus becomes everything. So first of all, what we need to see is that Jesus should be our everything because he is God's word, existing as God from all eternity. We should believe that Jesus is everything because He is God's Word, existing as God from all eternity. He is the perfect manifestation, the breathing fleshly reality of God Himself to us. And that is so hard to believe. I, I, something I've learned through my parent losing both of my parents over the last five or six weeks is that I didn't know everything about him. And so, I've heard a lot of stories, and some good, and some not so good. (laughs) I've learned some things that have put together some pieces of my puzzle, of my broken puzzle, that have helped me go, "Oh, oh, that's why. You see, what I've learned is they are not necessarily the word that they presented to me. And isn't that how we look at Jesus sometimes? Can I really trust him? What John is saying is, yes. Why? Because He is in the beginning. He is before. He was there when all things were made. i about to say He was the one who made it, but He is the Word in the beginning. He was in the beginning with God. He says it over and over again. John wants us to understand that there was no beginning with God because Jesus was in the beginning. The Word was there. There are no family secrets that he doesn't know about. There's nothing about his father that he doesn't know, nothing about the Spirit he doesn't know. He is the essence of everything. He represents everything. He is everything, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus reveals God perfectly. He is the essence of who God is. When Jesus speaks, when Jesus is as Jesus lives, he represents God because he is God. Another way or, or another way to realize this or the significance of this is that to know, you can't know God, therefore, without knowing Jesus. Jesus is the way to God. Because He is God. This is God's manifestation. This is God's chosen tool that we might know God. And this was, this was the whole debate among uh, the Greeks, especially in this time. Um, the, the Greek word logos doesn't mean much to us, but it meant a whole lot to those in the day. And that was the Greek word, translated word. In the beginning was the word, the logos. What John was saying, it was it was like, uh, you know, an intellectual just bomb on the scene, because what what John was stating was that everybody's looking for life, everybody's debating life, but guess what? Life is found in Jesus. He is the logos. What is the Logos? One definition said, an eternal and unchanging truth present from the time of creation, available to every individual who seeks it. He's what we're all looking for. He's the one that makes sense out of everything. It is Him, and it's not a system. It is Jesus. It is the God man. It is a person. Rich Valados, in his book, or on Instagram, actually, I don't I know if he was quoting one of his books or not, but he said this The Word became flesh and dwelled among us. The Word didn't become a religious system. The Word didn't become a political movement. The Word didn't become an ecstatic experience. The Word became flesh, loving, embodied existence. When God decided to heal the world, when God decided to reveal Himself, He sent the person, His Son, Jesus. And therefore, dear friends, there is no way to know God outside of Jesus, but it's in Jesus, in living relationship with Jesus, that we begin to know God, and that we begin to make sense out of life. It is in His presence, and only in His presence, it is through His living Word and and experiencing the reality of meeting with Him in the quiet place that we experience and understand uh, truth and therefore make sense out of life. Let me give you an illustration. G- We're going to see in John 11 that Jesus declares himself to be the resurrection. We've all heard this. I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me will live, though he die. I preached on that. I've read that for 30 years. I, every, probably every funeral I've ever done, I've used that text at some point, point. and yet In relating with Jesus, walking with Jesus, thinking about this, I haven't come to the realization of what this means till I sat at the bedside of my mother when she was dying, holding her hand for two hours, watching her transition from her body to his glory. Those words came pounding to me in that moment. Oh, this is what you mean. As I'm left with a lifeless body, I know that she's still alive, and I know that one day, someday, in some way or fashion, there's going to be a resurrection where her body and her spirit will be united again, and she will never know death. She will only know life. Friends, That's how you understand, that's how you put life together. It has changed my life, it's helped me understand, it's helped me not fear death so much. It's brought me to a different level, but oh, God is not finished, Jesus is not finished helping my understanding. Why? Because one day, someday, I'm going to rise from the dead. That's how it works. It's not some, okay, I'm converted, then I have all full understanding. No, I'm converted, then I come into relationship with the Logos. And it's in living relationship with Him that I make sense out of everything. Why doesn't this work? Why am I in such pain? Why do I have the story that I have? Why do I have these wounds? Oh, just go to the Logos. Just be in His presence. Just give your heart to Him. Just be with Him, because in His presence throughout your life, He's going to bring meaning. He's going to be significance, and nothing else will. What are you running to to try to dull the pain? of the non-answers of your trauma. Take your trauma to Jesus and live there because he says, I see it, and I love you. He doesn't rub your face in the shame. He says, I see it, and I've done something about it, and I love you. Come to me. We should go to Jesus. And he should be our everything because he is God's word pre-existing before all time. But secondly, Jesus should be our everything because he is our creator and thus knows how the world and life should work. I love this. Last Sunday, um, you probably read the news that in an apartment, third floor apartment in Bronx, New York, a space heater malfunctioned, space heater malfunctioned. And caught something on fire maybe it caught on fire and um, the smoke just emanated throughout the apartment building and 19 people died it's the worst apart- or worst fire in uh, 30 years in New York City 19 people 20-something people sent to the hospital And what we see from that is when something that was designed to work a specific way doesn't work in that specific way, or when something designed to be used in a specific way uh, is used in a different way, the only thing, the only result that can possibly happen is dysfunction, disaster, possibly even death. All things were made through him. Without him was not anything made that was made. What John is saying is, He created you, so He can tell you how life works. If you want to know how it works, quit quit trying to figure it out. Go to Him, because He is the Creator. He's the Designer. He knows how it's supposed to be, and yet He is not the one to whom we go. Barna, the Christian research group, recently received um, released a study that showed that 44% of Americans believe that truth is relative. In other words, that it's just up to us to figure it out. That, that real freedom is throwing off kind of the, the, the Word of God, and, and, you know, it's just I've got to find my truth. Another 21% said they really hadn't even thought about it. So, 65% of Americans are out there believing that they can just decide what's true or not true. And how's that working for our culture? We're the most depressed, anxious. We've declared a mental health crisis in this country. It's not working very well. I'm the worst at following directions. I get it. All those IKEA, before that, Target, you know, those plywood furniture stuff that we put together that has it's just, you don't nail anything, you're putting things together and it, you know, you think after a while, oh, I can can just figure it out. Oh, how many times have I done that? I'm like, what are these extra parts for? Before Rachel can come to the rim, I'm like pushing them under the couch, you know, I don't want to say, oh yeah, I did it, honey, I got it, got it all together. But I'm getting better. The older I get at following directions, why? Because I haven't followed directions for a long time, and I paid the consequence. Have you been going too long without following the directions? (laughs) Have you been going too long trying to figure it out yourself when there is one who is the truth, who is the direction, who who is the, the logos, whom you can go to and say, help me, I don't understand why. You're telling me to do this. How many times have you gotten to that point? The directions. This can't be right. You better not. Don't, don't you? <laughs> don't get there and turn away. Don't stop believing. Then you got to trust the engineer. Same way with life. Jesus is the one that we can go to. How's it working out? Not following His directions. I, I thought of this teaching this week. Matthew seven three through five. Jesus said, why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, then when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. How's it working for you, looking at the speck in your brother's eye while ignoring the log in your own? Is that just making your relationships flourish like crazy? How many of your friends have said, oh, thank you for pointing that out to me, you arrogant. I mean, how many of, I mean, every time I do this, every time I just stew and think about the speck in a brother's eye and I, you know, I come out, it never works out. And that's just one teaching. Additionally, it's just exhausting trying to figure out your own truth. I think that's why our culture is so tired. A child was not meant to figure out truth. A child was meant to receive truth, and so was a 57-year-old. It's so much easier to receive truth than it is to try to figure out truth. That When I lack peace in my Christian life, it's because I am questioning God and fighting against Him. And I'm not saying we shouldn't fight against Him when we have those questions, because sometimes that's how we arrive at the understanding, and sometimes that's how He wrestles us down, but many times He's got to break our hip to do it. But if we could just give up sooner (laughs) and say, okay, you're the Creator, you're the one. I don't understand it, but I'm going to follow you. I'm going to understand. I'm going to take that next step. I'm scared. I don't like it. That's what God calls us to do. But He has to win our hearts. Brother Lawrence, in the 17th century, I've read his—it's not his book. He. It's a dude that really practiced the presence of God in a big way, and— and in, um, in the 17th century, and he didn't want anybody to publish his letters, but his friends were like, these are just too good not to. And so, it's called practicing the presence of God, but it's just his letters, and it's really short document. But this is what he said. He said, the soul which enjoys God desires nothing but Him. Have you ever had a dinner? Have you ever done something? Have you ever had an experience, and all you can do is think about it? That's what Jesus is like. If you would but go to him and experience him in the quiet place, if you would and, and if you would just be there with Him, and and hear Him speak His words over you, I love you, I've known you from all eternity, I have chosen you. It speaks into your shame that's telling you you're nothing, you're not good enough, you need to go out and prove yourself today. Oh no, there is a God, there is one who knows you, who loves you, who's chosen you, who's lived for you, who's died for you, who's been raised for you, who's ascended on high and coming back for you. There is one who who lives with his mind full of you, and He loves you. And this is what if to really experience that, him and his love is to deny d- desire nothing else. Jesus should be our everything, because he's our creator and thus knows how the world should be. But thirdly and finally, Jesus should be our everything because he's the life and light for which we long. In him was life and that life was the light of men. Light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has overcome it. I love this whole analogy about light, because at 57 years old, I walk in the night a lot, from my bed to the bathroom, three times last night. Sorry, some of you doctors out there may be going, dude, you might know, I'm regular in all my checkups and all that. It's just my age, all right? And w- once, something I've kind of observed about walking in the dark is it takes a lot of effort. And it's a little scary, because one night, a few years ago, I was walking in the night and I I had to get something, I can't even, I don't remember why, I walked to my closet and I hit the closet, the closet was open and I didn't see it, I hit it with my toe and broke it. I broke my toe, not the door. And so now, every time I get up, it's kind of like, I don't walk to the bathroom like this, I walk like this, you know? how we walk in the dark. Why? Because it's dangerous. It's unsettling. We weren't created to walk in the dark. We were created to walk in the light. But Dear friends, oftentimes we choose the darkness. I do it all the time. I choose impatience and control over peace and submission to the Father. I choose social media or some of my news apps or Something else other than just going and spending time and meeting God in prayer and doing the work of, 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 of meditating on his word that I might meet him in his presence and get the, the, the life that I need in the presence. I choose darkness a lot. But when we do that, and as we do that, we've got to go back. We've got to taste the darkness to go back to the light. And that's somewhat the life of the Christian But sometimes the darkness chooses us. The last few years, I haven't chosen the circumstances of my life, and neither have you. (laughs) None of us have chosen a pandemic. And yet, the light shines in the darkness. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Imagine if you didn't have Jesus over the last couple of years. I'm telling you, Jesus is the only reason. As I'm driving to go take care of my parents, my ailing parents, and both of them, you know, afflicted with dementia. And, you know, I've, I've read stories where some dementia makes people sweet and loving, and man, that was not what my parents had. They had dementia that made them mean as hell and contentious and uncaring, totally unlike my mother, at least a little, little bit like my stepfather, but uh, kidding. On my 35-minute drive out there, every single time I had to go to Jesus, and when I didn't, it didn't go well. And even when I did, sometimes it didn't go well. But Jesus was the light Why? Because I was pressing in. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be anywhere else on the planet. But Jesus, this is what you've given me, and I trust you. This is the consequences, or or this is the circumstances that I've been given, I've been dealt in this world. You said I would have many troubles in this life, but you've overcome the world. There's hope beyond this. And that's how we've all walked through COVID, I hope. Sometimes being frustrated, sometimes not understanding, but, oh, there's a light. Because one day, someday, Jesus will come back. There's a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be no more tears, and there will be no more crying, and there will be no more pain, and there will be no more death. That is the hope we have as believers. Brother Lawrence said this, and we'll end on this. The spiritual life is neither an art nor a science. To arrive at union with God, I really, what he really means is communion with God, all one needs is a heart resolutely determined to apply itself to nothing but Him. Do nothing but for His sake and to love Him only. Dear friends, that's my prayer as we go through the book of John, that we would fall so madly in love with Jesus that our faith would be strengthened, that life would begin to make sense because he is at the center of it, and that some of us even might taste life for the first time, and that we might become so consumed with it that we tell the world about the life that is the Logos, the Word, the Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, as we come to you this morning, we pray that you would open our hearts and our minds to you. Father, we thank you that you have revealed yourself through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we praise you that you indeed uh, are the one who reveals your spirit to us. And Father, I just pray that you would open our hearts to you, that you would battle the idols of our lives, that we might draw near to you, Lord Jesus, and we might find you to be everything that you've been revealed to be. Lord, help us to let go of the world and help us to hang on to you hanging on to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, dear friends.